Welcome to Blasty Airwaves with Blast Intermediate Unit 17. My name is Rebecca Gibbony, and I am the Coordinator of Professional Learning at Blast Intermediate Unit 17. Here at Blast, we strive to transform lives and communities through educational services. For this season of Blasty Airwaves, we have a special guest co-host who is working to create and sustain pathways to employment in our region by uniting her community around common goals in STEM learning. This season's guests come from nine counties total, representing different local industries all across Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. I'd like to introduce you to Alexandra Consort-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator for NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Alexandra, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to work with you for our celebration of STEM and industry this year. Our STEM ecosystem is holding a week-long series of free events and opportunities highlighting industry partners and the benefits they have in our five-county region. Our hope is that by listening to the wide variety of employment opportunities available in our region from folks in our community who live it every day, we can shed a light on what's possible for our young people. Alexandra, we are so excited to partner with you in this endeavor and celebrate industry and STEM. On this podcast, we will provide you with educational solutions and resources for all, no matter the learning environment. So teachers, administrators, students, caregivers, industry partners, everyone, what are you waiting for? What would happen if we started questioning? What if our students and educators got the opportunities to sit down with members of the community? What if we bridge that gap? What connections would we discover? I don't know about you, Alexandra, but it is time to blast the airwaves. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Joe Glynn, Chief Technology Officer for WVIA, and Alexandra Kontor-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator of NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Joe, Alexandra, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss STEM skills used in your industry. Specifically, we will be discussing how knowledge of different STEM skills are important in your current job position, Joe. So are you two ready to blast the airwaves? I am. Absolutely. Awesome. So, Joe, why don't we start? Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in industry at WVIA? Okay. Well, we are part of the media industry, particularly um, television and radio broadcasting, although we also stream as well as most most companies like ours do. And uh, my job as chief technology officer uh, has me overseeing all the technology, and the, that means the people that, uh, that work in this uh, department, my our department, the technology department, which includes IT. Uh, everybody's kind of familiar with IT these days, uh, but we also have the transmission part of it where we broadcast. So we work with uh, television transmitters and all of the associated studio equipment from cameras on, right? Or from we like to say we're from camera or microphone right to to, to receiver in your in your home. That's what we're responsible for. Thank you. So, Joe, what you do is very interesting. And I and I wondered if you could talk to our listeners a little bit about maybe what your typical day might look like. Okay. Well, uh, you know, when I first started in this industry, my typical day was pretty much repairing broadcast equipment as well as installing and testing new broadcast equipment. But that was many decades ago. And our industry, like all, have changed. 
And uh, along with that, my job titles have changed over, over a number of promotions. I got to the point where I pretty much do mostly a desk job uh, overseeing the department. And uh, one of the caveats to my job is that I'm also in charge of the facility. So I'm, in a sense, I'm a facilities manager. So everything about the building, the HVAC systems in the building and even getting the lawn cut is, 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 falls under my jurisdiction, if you will. So wear multiple hats, but uh, that, you know, for the most part, I would just say it, it's primarily a, an, an office job or a desk job at this point in my life. So regular hours? Regular hours, but on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, for people who listen to the radio or watch TV or try to live stream us, we have to be there all the time. So when something goes wrong, and that could be at any given moment, uh, we are uh, on top of it. So me or someone on my team has to address it. And we can do that in a number of ways. Uh, sometimes it just physically requires coming into the building here or to the transmitter sites. And other times we can do it from uh, a computer at home or even from our phones at that point. So you may be like the electrical engineers that work out on the lines that you dread storms and bad weather coming. Is that something that affects you and how busy you are? That is, in fact, the case. Uh, a storm uh, will cause uh, power outages. Power outages cause problems with electronic equipment. Uh, and, and, you know, every storm that comes through is, it, it puts us at risk of, of being out of operation for a period of time. And that's something we try not to have any downtime. So our goal is to give 24 hours a day, seven days a week service. And we are pretty good at that. We're probably at 99.99% the time we are on but uh, yes storms cause all kinds of problems even even in satellite reception we still use satellite reception here for a lot of our um, national programs from pbs and if you get a big enough storm it will uh, limit the reception of satellite for a period of time so there's always storms are always an issue I'll bet. that's a lot to do under one role so 24 7 all day, every day. So I'm sure it's very much appreciated by your colleagues as well. I'm interested to hear, you know, you said how you have received promotions and moves, you know, up the ladder, so to say. What college or career path or even classes did you take to set yourself up in this line of line of work? I am a graduate of uh, Johnson College, which was formerly Johnson's Technical Institute. Uh, and I have a specialized associate degree electronic and fluidic technology. Fluidics might be a word a lot of people aren't familiar with, but basically that is both hydraulics and pneumatics. And uh, the best way to maybe describe that would be when you take your car in for new tires, they typically put the car on a lift, uh, which is a hydraulic lift, and it uses uses the machinery or the pressure to bring the car up to a height where the uh, person can work on it. And then a lot of times you'll hear them take the tires, uh, lug nuts off of the, of the wheels with a, a, an air gun. That's a pneumatic device. So there's a combination of both hydraulics and pneumatics there uh, when they take use that air gun to take those lug nuts off the tires to get them off. Uh, so that I, I don't use as much in my job as electronics, but the electronics portion I use almost on a daily basis and uh, even the electrical part because it includes electricity in, 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 in that sense. Yeah. So how did you receive training for that? Did you specifically take classes in college? Like if I'm a student, my junior year, senior year of high school, and I'm, I'm intrigued by this, what would you recommend to them to look for? Um, well, it, it, it's hard to say because there's so many different aspects of it. And I ended up in the broadcast engineering 
side of things. But I, my initial thought was just to work with electronics. And I didn't know where that, that would lead me in the end. Uh, there's a lot, you know, electronics encompasses a lot of things. You know, there's biomed electronics, there's uh, cellular telephone type electronics, there's, there's home consumer electronics. There was a, a lot of different areas. I just happened to land in the broadcast side, which uh, was, was perfect for me. So, Joe, this is very interesting what you do and, and never would have thought that in your current position that hydraulics and pneumatics would have been in your background. Um, so how do you use STEM skills in your position? Well, I use them every day in some shape, manner, or form. I mean, uh, let's talk about the M in there, the math. Uh, you know, I use the math. Uh, for a lot of things, primarily lately budgeting. I mean, I have, I'm responsible for usually over a million dollars a year in a station's budget. So the math is very important on, on the budgeting side. Uh, but there's also uh, things like when we have to replace a generator, we have to do the math to figure out what size generator would be necessary to operate a specific facility, be it a translator or site or, or the, the building right here. So you're using the, the math side for that. Um, the technology side is, is obvious, you know, and, and I, I don't want to get too far off, off the question, but uh, I was once asked by a PBS person, what is technology? You know, and, and it was, you know, everybody had a the whole group of people were asked this and everybody had a different answer. The, the, one of the di dictionary uh, descriptions is the branch of knowledge dealing with engineering or applied sciences. That's the dictionary version of what is technology. But he had a better definition. I always liked that he said technology is just simply something that there wasn't when you weren't growing up, that wasn't there when you were growing up. So, you know, we all come in the house or the office and we turn our lights on, but we never think, wow, what technology that is. But to my grandparents, that was technology. They didn't have lights in the, originally when they moved in the house. So this is something that I, I, I like it as a definition because technology keeps changing. And, you know, to me, uh, self-driving cars are technology but i suspect to my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren they're just going to be normal just like the lights for me i don't think of the lights that i turn on as technology so uh, i don't know if that's a good definition or not but i hope that answers your question absolutely um so one of the perennial arguments that students make is when am I ever going to have to use this? So they're in classes at school and they're asking, why do we need to learn this? When, when are we ever going to use it? And so I'm, I'm hoping that you can help us, Joe, put this argument to rest with some of the skills that you use in your position. So what skills can you point to that you use every day that our students learn in school? That is the perfect question to ask a guy like me, because I was that guy, uh, that person that said, I don't need this. I'm never going to need this in my life. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple examples because I'm an example kind of guy. Uh, when you take algebra and they tell you about two trains leaving a station and uh, I never thought that I'd have to do a problem like that whatsoever. But when I got into my field, the thing that I love so much, electronics, I found out there's a lot of algebra in electronics. And I realized that too late uh, that I didn't pay enough attention when I was in class because it didn't relate to what I, I loved and thought about. I didn't really care about trains, but I did care about electronics and, and circuits. So, it, you know, it, 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 
that's number one example. The second example was English and public speaking, things like that. I thought I will never need this. I don't even like getting up in front of a group. I, I'm not comfortable. But as I got those promotions we talked about, I had to do presentations to uh, the board of directors here at WVIA. And I had to have honed those skills so that I could make a, a positive effect on the presentation or sell, an, a, sell a, a concept of what we, a project we wanted to take, take on and, and do. So I am that perfect example of that kid in that class who said, I will never, ever need this. Why are they making me do this? I was so wrong, and I think that those are the best two examples I can give. I use I use that stuff every day. I love those examples, Joe. Love them. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I, I feel like when you talk to someone that's more in their adult ages, we all say it. Like, I should have paid more attention to this. I was a former Spanish teacher, and I get it all the time. Senorita, I should have paid attention because now I'm studying abroad or, you know, I just think it's really interesting. I think perspectives change, obviously, as, as you get older. So thank you for that, um, Joe. So we're wondering, when did you have this epiphany about wanting to do your job? Or did you always want to be working at WVIA? Was there an aha moment for you? I think there was. And uh, I just recently learned they're called red bike moments. And uh, I've learned that from the Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali, who was a champion box, boxer. And uh, he had what he called his red bike moment or that epiphany moment. And it was when he had a brand new red bike and somebody stole it. And he uh, went looking for the police to tell them. And he found an officer, a cop, and he told them he wanted to whoop some kid who stole his bike. And that that cop or that officer happened to be a uh, a boxing coach and told him, before you go out looking to fight, you got to learn how to fight. And so he told him, you show up at the gym here uh, tomorrow and I will teach you how to fight. So Muhammad Ali showed up at that gym. He was Cassius Clay, by the way. That was his, his initial, original name. And uh, he became a world champion boxer. So uh, that was his what he calls his red bike moment. For me, I had a cousin who was a guitar player and had an amplifier that had failed. The guitar amplifier didn't work and he didn't want it anymore. So I, I asked him if I could have it and... Uh, I think I had to trade him a Woodstock 2 album to get that. But I got it. I took it home, and uh, it didn't work, just like he said. And I was fortunate because the neighbor kid across the street's father was a TV repairman. Those were the guys who actually went around repairing televisions in people's homes way back in the day when that was the thing. And uh, so he said, well, let's just take it apart and see if we can find out anything. So we took this amplifier apart, and I got it apart and saw all these components inside that were all you know, foreign to me. I never saw transistors or capacitors or resistors. And he said, well, plug it in and turn it on. We'll see if we see anything. And sure enough, we start seeing some smoke come out of one of the components. And he says, okay, shut it off, shut it off. And he looked at it. He says, that's a capacitor. I think my dad has some of them was over the shop. I'll be right back. Went home, got a component, same value, came back with a soldering iron. We cut the uh, component out. We wired the other one in, soldered it up so that it was connected. We turned it on. And the amplifier worked. I only had a microphone, not a guitar to connect to it, but I could talk into the microphone and we could hear it loud. And that was my red bike moment. That's when I knew uh, that, that feeling of fixing something and making it work when it wasn't working before was when I knew that I wanted to work in the electronics industry of some sort. And as it turns out, my first job in electronics was in a radio shop, not, not broadcast radio. This was mobile radio, the type that police use, police use for communications and uh, taxi cab drivers back in the day would get, uh, their, their, their dispatcher would call them on those radios. 
that's uh, where I first landed out of college. And then eventually I, I found my way into broadcasting, which I, I love. Yeah, I always think it's interesting too, before meeting you know, some of your colleagues at WVIA, I never realized how many different jobs fall under, you know, at WVIA broadcasting and different different capacities like that. So there's a lot that you can do under that umbrella. Indeed, uh, it's, it's, it, there's, it's limitless, but it's limited by the amount of time you can put into it. So we could, we could do a lot of things, but we, 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 like everybody else, we only have so many people and uh, only so much time and so much money because everything costs money to do. That's right. That's right. So this is my favorite part of the podcast where I get to, we call it the blast five and I'm going to blast you normally with five questions, but today we're just going to ask you one question. Um, But if you could blast us with five skills that you feel are important and needed for your industry, what would be those five skills? I don't know if you can't really go to college or classes for these, but there, there are five things that come to mind. The number one thing that I found most important in my job was troubleshooting. And that's the ability to look into a problem and determine where the problem is. We call it troubleshooting because you start shooting, you know, start trying to troubleshoot where, where something happens. For example, every electronic device tends to have an input, a processing area and an output, you know, and so if you can uh, figure out what's wrong, is it, is it in the output? Is it in the input? Is the input there? Is the output there? Or is it something inside that's not working? So that's, that's what I would call troubleshooting is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe analyzing would be another. You have to analyze the uh, situations, particularly when you're trying to do a new project. You have to analyze what your needs are going to be. Uh, what's this, what's, what's this, this new thing going to have to do? So I don't know. Again, I don't think neither troubleshooting or analyzing or anything you could take courses in, but they are two two things I would think are important. Planning is also very important. Uh, planning for me, because I'm in a management position, we do long-term planning, sometimes out five years. I have to, to figure out what, what's going to be happening in five years. And I think that other thing that I would mention is predicting, because a lot of that is not really a skill necessarily but it is a thing you have the weather people do it all the time they predict the weather and by the way they're getting pretty good at it over the years but uh, I think predicting is, is another thing and then the final thing I would say that's important again I apologize because none of these are things you can say take this class but I would say it's adapting because my industry like all are changing so so often and so fast anymore at an accelerated pace uh, you know we're looking at the next generation of television and it seems like just last uh, Last week, although it was 20, 10 years ago, or at least we did conversion to analog um, from analog to digital. So it's going to you have to be able to adapt because things will change constantly. And uh, and, and, and I will also throw in because this is STEM is that I went to college, but I never stopped learning. I, I still learn every single day in my life. I still reading books because things have changed. Everything I for the most part that I learned in electronics in college, other than the fundamentals, has changed. I learned about vacuum tubes. And when I started this business, everybody had vacuum tubes in their home and televisions and electronic devices. And we no longer have that. It went to solid state transistors. And then it went to integrated circuits and large scale integration. And everything has changed. So you could not, I would not be able to do my job if I just tried to go by on what I had learned in college. So you have to know that if you're, I think if you're in a technology field, it's going to be a lifelong learning thing. And it's actually kind of fun because you'll never get bored ever. 
I think those are great points. And, you know, even if it's not a specific class on these skills, I think students can learn how these kinds of skills outside of a class, right? In every lesson, we're learning how to adapt. And teachers, if they're listening to this podcast, can start incorporating some of these skills within their lessons as well. I know many educators already are leaning more towards analyzing and and work like that. So fantastic. I love all five of those. Those are really good ones. Well, Alexandra, Joe, Alexandra, do you have something else that you want to add? I actually do. So if we have folks that are interested in what you do and where you work and they want to learn more, Joe, do you have any um, websites they could go to or any sources of information we could put in our show notes for folks? Well, certainly there's a, an organization I belong to. In fact, I was the chairman of the local chapter for a number of years, a number of decades, actually, uh, called the Society of Broadcast Engineers. And we have a national uh, chapter out in Indianapolis. And so they can go to sbe.org. SBE.org stands for Society of Broadcast Engineers. And uh, that is a group of professionals who work in the broadcast industry like me. There's a whole bunch of resources there including if you're a member, you, you know, there's student memberships available as well. You get access, access to a whole number of webinars and, uh, that you can watch to learn. Uh, it's so, you know, specifically for broadcasting that, of course, if it's, if it's, if it's um, just general electronics, there are a number of resources. Most of your colleges, in, in, even in the local area, have some sort of electronics courses. Penn State does. I know Johnson's does. I know Luzerne County Community Colleges does. And I'm sure the University of Scranton has an electrical engineering program that's fantastic. So there's, there's, there's lots of resources out there for stuff like that. Yeah, great. One, one thing that wasn't... Lexi, I'm glad you remembered that one. Yeah, one thing that oh. was not available that I wish was when I was a kid was YouTube too. YouTube as oh. I have learned a lot of, you know, like I told, as I mentioned, it's a lifelong learning thing. You I, to, And to keep up, I've used a lot of YouTube videos to help me learn a lot of the IT stuff that, you know, when I went to college, there wasn't really no IT and uh, I had to learn a lot of that on the fly. So between reading books and, uh, and watching some YouTube videos, I learned some IT that way. Yes. YouTube has become everyone's best friend now. I know it helped me with my washer and dryer as well the other day. So (laughs) you learned how to fix your washer and dryer with YouTube too. Yes. I thought I was the only one. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Anyways. Well, Joe, Alexandra, this has been a blast. No pun intended. We celebrate you and what you do, Joe, every day in STEM. Again, thank you for taking some time today to connect with us and our listeners. It has been a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope we meet again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. We would like to thank you for blasting the airwaves with us today. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review. If you want to know more, check out www.iu17.org for further resources and show notes. If you'd like to learn more about NEPA STEM ecosystem and the work we're doing in STEM and job pathways, please visit us at www.nepastem.org. As always, we want to thank you for what you do every single day. We'd also like to especially thank our industry partners. Remember, keep shining. We'll be back next episode to provide you another educational solution and more resources for all as we continue to transform lives and communities through educational services.